Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Among us, I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. Ahoy there. It's a pleasure to have you with us here this evening. You know, the days are growing shorter, the nights growing colder. There's a crisp in the air, and I've already seen a couple trees begin their annual change from emerald to gold, amber, and crimson. And that tells me that spooky season is just around the corner. And although it doesn't officially start here for another week or so, I'm already in that spooky mood, so tonight should be a lot of fun. So what do you say we get this thing rolling? Beginning with Catherine out of Washington State. Hi, Derek. This is Catherine calling again from Washington State. This is a quick story, kind of a fun experience we had. We were out camping on Manastash Ridge, which is in central Washington near Ellensburg. And we were out on a uh, morel hunting trip that weekend. So it was a new moon. This was June 19th through the 21st that weekend. And I believe it was the night of the 20th, Saturday night. There, again, it was a new moon. There were no clouds in the sky. It was clear, so very dark out. Of course, we're far away from civilization, so even darker where we are. And we're all tucked into our little two-man backpacking tent, camping out in the middle of this field. There's no one around again. We are pretty close to a, just like a back road, uh, forest road, but we would definitely hear a car if it was coming up or down that road and also people because we're in this meadow so the sound carries really really well so anyways sleeping it's the middle of the night and my boyfriend kind of is tossing and turning and he wakes me up and i turn over and i'm like what because i see him looking up at the top of the tent And he was like, oh, never mind. And I look where he was looking, and there's a light shining on the top of our tent, and it's coming from up above us. So, again, we're in a meadow, so that's a little strange because we don't know where this light could be coming from, being somewhere that's flat uh, with nothing really around us in that area. So when we wake up in the morning, we talked about it, and we both agreed. We didn't hear anything through the night. There were no sounds of people or cars. No one else in our party had heard anything. My boyfriend kept saying, oh, it was the moon. And I kept saying, no, it's not the moon. It's a new moon tonight, so that's impossible. So anyways, that's our story. It was just pretty quick. We're still not sure what this was. Again, if it had been a helicopter or somebody with a flashlight, anything like that, um, you would think the light would have been moving more or we would have heard something, but it was just this still bright light that seemed to be coming from directly above. And because we were sleeping, we kind of didn't think anything of it. We were in that hazy dream state that you get into, the just pull your covers back over your head type of state of mind when you're sleepy. 
So we didn't get out and check or anything. But yeah, I'm not even sure if we would have seen anything if we had. I wish we had, but didn't think of it in the moment. So would love to hear anyone's thoughts or if they've ever been in that area and seen anything interesting in the sky or any strange lights coming down. So thanks again, Derek. Appreciate everything you do. Take care. Thanks, Catherine. You know, I've spent many a night in a tent, mostly under the stars of Central and Southern California, and I've experienced a wide array of critters outside those tent flaps. Coyotes, rattlesnakes, raccoons, even a bear once in the Sierras, although we never actually saw it, but we heard it and we knew it was there. But you know, I don't ever recall experiencing anything even remotely similar to what Catherine just described. But you know, I have heard reports that were very similar to Catherine's on several different occasions. Not so much the above the tent part, but the strange, bright light in the forest part. And to back up that claim, I actually dug up two real-time experiences with this phenomena. The first of which is from Cryptid Encounters over at YouTube. Um, I've wandered everywhere in the forest here all day. And I see every star in the sky. There's no clouds. There's nothing. But this light keeps flashing up in the trees, different areas. Um, it's really weird, and I don't know how to describe it because it keeps flashing in different areas of the trees. Whoa. That looked like it came up from the ground, and now it's flashing, and then it... But you're going to want... Whoa. Now, did you see what I'm talking about? Makes no sound at all. Just random flashing, different areas, and it's a big flash, like a big ball of light. Anyway, my point was, this is an area that uh, Travis Walton got abducted in uh, up here near the Mogollon Rim. Now, notice how eerily similar the description is on this next one from Travel Channel's Expedition Bigfoot. Is that a light? There's a light over there. That's right there in the center. What is that? It's these big bursts of light. I'm trying to make sense of what's in front of me because all I can see is this perfectly structured light in a horizontal line across the forest. What could possibly be causing such a clear, bright light to come pouring through the trees? is like this dense wall of trees and then the second I turn it off there's this light flooding across the horizon I have no idea what that is now the effect of these lights is doubled when you actually watch the footage it's there that you can see this light phenomena in both videos but essentially what we're looking at I would describe as a glowing fluorescent light bulb in the middle of the forest And you know, just because there are examples, and on video even, that doesn't mean that we have any answers as to the cause of this activity. From swamp gas and will-of-the-wisp to spook lights and Bigfoot with glowing orbs, many theories have been posited. But at the end of the day, the mystery remains. So thank you again, Catherine, for sharing that call. Too bad neither of you ventured outside to get a closer look. But you know, in hindsight, maybe that wasn't a bad decision. Now folks, this next entry would have been right at home in our recent transportation special. Better late than never. Please welcome Adrian from Maine to the platform. Hey Derek, it's Adrian again from Portland, Maine. I have kind of a family story and a friend story that kind of coincides about a certain stretch of road in Arizona. So when my grandmother, my grandfather, my dad's side, they used to live in Sonora, uh, Mexico. They would come to the United States to Los Angeles or San Diego. They would go through what was then the Gila Bend kind of area. And there's a story that they were coming back in the late, I want to say this is probably late 30s where my grandfather was driving, my grandmother was in the passenger seat, and my dad's oldest sibling was in the car. And then my grandfather spotted a woman on the side of the road as they were driving at night, passed her, and then a few minutes later passed her again. 
same woman, freaked out, but everybody was asleep in the car. And then a few miles later, as he's driving, he sees the woman in the back seat, freaks out, flips the car over on the road. Luckily, nobody was really hurt, seriously, but that actually did happen. And then flash forward to about, I don't know, five, six years ago, we had a friend that opened a restaurant in downtown, and one of his friends, we were chit-chatting about, you know, what we always do, either where our next drinks are going to be or ghosts, either one or the other. And he was talking about how he and his friend were taking a summer trip through the same exact stretch of land, and that they would drive from Sonora to San Diego in the same stretch of land, and they saw a hitchhiker on the side of the road. And that hitchhiker, they passed again a few miles later and then when they were driving another few more minutes they found the guy in the rear view mirror inside the car everybody freaked out and they almost got into an accident so there's always been something about that certain stretch of land in the southwest where there's a mixture of la llorona or a mixture of the hitchhiker that shows up in your car or some sort of you know folkloric story but uh it's happened to, at least I know, two different sets of people. And, uh, yeah, I find it kind of creepy that uh, it's happened to my family and my friends. And it's hard to explain. Anyway, thank you very much. Thank you, Adrian. You know, I love me a good desert ghost story. And this one certainly didn't disappoint. A car accident caused by a ghost. That's not a common occurrence anywhere let alone in the middle of the Arizona desert. But you know, as I turned up in my research for this call, the reports that Adrian passed along are quite common, surprisingly. According to the website hauntedplaces.org, Route 85 between Ajo and Gila Bend, near a tiny place called Crater Range, exists a legend that's eerily similar to the claims that Adrian's family made. The following was pulled directly from the website, which is linked to in tonight's show notes. A couple driving along the stretch of Route 85 in the 1950s on their way to their honeymoon in Lake Tahoe were killed when their car struck a rock on the side of the road. Locals swear that if you drive this stretch of road after midnight, you can see the couple and their car on the side of the road. And often, they will try to get you to stop and help them. I don't know, Adrian, but that certainly seems to lend credence to your family's claims, if you ask me. And thanks again for sharing the entry. Now, if you too have a call you would like to hear shared on the show, simply call our hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. And if you find yourself out of the country, just record your story in a voice memo on your cell phone and email it to monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com. Now, you know, I always try to sprinkle in a UFO call or two into each episode. So here to meet this week's quota is Alexander, out of the UFO-rich state of Illinois. Hey, Derek. Big fan of the show. I've been listening for a couple months now. My name is Alexander. I'm calling from the area of Rockford, Illinois, about a UFO sighting dating about 10 years back now. Uh, my grandparents and I were out to dinner and we came back around eight o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night. It was winter time and the sky was pretty clear. So uh, it was dark out, but you know, the stars and everything was visible. My grandma and my aunt had gone inside, but my grandpa and I were carrying out the conversation in the car. We love space. My grandpa used to tell me a bunch of stories about you know, the origin of the stars and the solar system. And that was kind of a big bonding experience for both of us. So on this particular night, we look up at the sky and we see this triangle of lights. At each point of the triangle, there were kind of an orb of lights. And my grandpa goes, hey, do you see that, Alexander? And I'm like, yeah, what is that? Thinking maybe he could explain it away. Like I said, he's pretty knowledgeable of, you know, aircraft, and he didn't have an explanation for it. So we kind of continued to watch this triangle of lights in the sky. And as we were watching, 
one of the points of light on the triangle would disappear and then from the horizon an orb would fly in to the place of the disappeared orb filling and completing the triangle and this kind of happened at the different points of light continuously we were watching for maybe a couple of minutes and we're just astounded we had no explanation for what it was and every time an orb would disappear another orb would fly up super fast faster than any plane that we've ever seen uh, just right into the place of the disappeared orb like i said we were dumbfounded and went inside assuming that this would be all over the news we didn't really know um, what to expect so we get inside and tell my grandma and aunt what is going on and they kind of just laugh it off thinking that we were messing with them go to turn the tv on they had a dish satellite and the tv was all static it was really weird so ran back outside i had my camera phone at the time i wanted to take a picture of it and by the time we got out there it was gone so that night we were just talking about, you know, maybe an explanation of what it could be. And then the next day we went and we're looking online to see if anybody else had reported a UFO sighting in the area. And to our surprise, we couldn't find any other reportings. I'm not typically one to believe in that kind of stuff, but I can assure you that after that experience, I definitely believe that we are not alone in this universe and my grandpa and I still talk about it, remember it to this day and I'll never forget that night. Thanks, Derek. Like I said, big supporter of the show. Keep doing what you do and I'll keep listening. Thanks so much. Thank you, Alexander. You know, it's no secret that these massive triangle-shaped craft are all the rage right now. I have a folder full of such submissions to prove it but this one sounded a little different to me. Something about it was off in comparison to most of the other Black Delta sightings. Well, like I do with most any call, I hopped on the web to do some research. And lo and behold, this time, I think I might have found something. I stumbled upon a short video showing what appears to be darting lights in the night sky. Now, what makes this otherwise blurry video interesting is the fact that it was shot in Rockford, Illinois the same town in which Alexander had his experience. And get this, it was also filmed about 10 years ago, the exact same time frame that Alexander saw what he saw. Now I've linked to the full 17 second video in the show notes, but what it seems to show is a sequence of darting lights against a darkened sky. At one point, three lights seem to converge on themselves, displaying a shrinking triangle shape that eventually becomes a single point of light before expanding again to a, another triangle shape. Now, it's certainly an interesting video, but I feel like this is something that I've seen before, and often, actually, especially here around the Los Angeles area. In my mind, we're simply looking at promotional spotlights, or searchlights. Think of the 20th Century Fox logo, with all those lights swinging around. Now, I'm not saying that's what Alexander saw, but I am saying that if what he saw looked like these spotlights in this video, and they were taken at the same place at the same time, then I suppose it's possible that spotlights is exactly what Alexander saw. Now, if I had more time, I bet I could lock down the business that used these lights. Likely some sort of grand opening, or maybe to draw attention to a casino or street fair, local radio event. The point is, Alexander, take a look at the video in question and let me know two things. Is that what you saw? And could it have been spotlights that you saw that evening? I anxiously await your answer. And thank you again, Alexander, for sharing the entry. Now I'd like to take a minute to talk to you about the benefits of microdosing and how all sorts of people, myself included, are microdosing to manage pain and elevate their mood. Now, microdose has personally helped me in a huge way in dealing with insomnia and anxiety. It helps me chill out at the end of a long day and fall asleep more easily. 
Tonight's show is sponsored by Microdose Gummies by Lumilab. Microdose Gummies deliver the perfect entry-level doses of THC and CBD that help you feel just the right amount of good. Now, before you overreact to three little letters, keep in mind that Microdose Gummies are completely legal everywhere in the United States. And while these gummies contain cannabinoids, remember, we're not talking about getting high in that stereotypical sense. I'm talking about entry-level doses to help you wind down, chill out, and sleep like a baby. I love them, and I think you will too. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code MONSTERSAMONGUS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes. But again, that's microdose.com and code MONSTERSAMONGUS. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. Now back to those headlights that just appeared in the distance. Now, when selecting these calls, I always try to provide a good variety for each episode without seeming too repetitive. But you guys don't need to know all that. All you really need to know is that this next one involves another quickly growing phenomena. Shadow people. Antonio, welcome to the show. Hey Derek, it's Antonio. This is in regards to a black shadow that has recently been terrorizing me at night. Just kind of looking for some answers. Recently, to the other night, honestly, I've seen it's like a wispy black shadow that like comes to the room from a window. Every time I've seen it, shortly thereafter I fall asleep, the attack happens. Last night in particular, I was laying down with my wife and I fell asleep after seeing this thing make entry. I didn't know what to really think of it, but it's just like a, a very thin veil black, kind of see-through, but not completely, you know? And I fell asleep and I start having this attack, like I feel this weight and this pressure, like someone's laying on top of me. And I hear my wife saying, no, don't do it, you're too close. And I feel him fall on top of me. And then shortly thereafter, within a few seconds, I hear my 16-month-old daughter, who shares the room with us, she wakes up freaking out, just absolutely hysterical. I can't calm her down at all. And it takes me a while after, like, patting her on the back and, and giving her a pacifier to have her relax and calm down to her to go back to sleep. And the night prior, the same thing happened, but it felt like something, like, black and furry. The only way I could explain it, I saw a black shadow, but it just felt like, this object covered in hair, this person covered in hair, crawling up from my feet to my chest. I didn't hear anything that night. It was just, it was just a creepy sensation. But I could feel like my fingers running through its hair as I tried to push it off. And again, my daughter wakes up screaming. And this is the second night that this happened, so I don't know how much longer this is going to go on, and I don't know what's really causing it or, or anything like that. But if anybody has anything that they can help or a way of like maybe cleaning the house, I don't know. Uh, that would be awesome. Thanks again. Thank you, Antonio. You know, that's the funny thing about this phenomena. Just when you think you have it all figured out, it throws its own monkey wrench into the whole affair. A furry or hairy shadow man. I think that's a new one on me. I don't recall ever hearing that detail before. But oddly, that's not the only strange shadow person variant I want to share with you this evening. Get a load of this odd detail from Samantha in Nebraska. Hello, my name is Samantha. I am from Omaha, Nebraska. And my story is about what my friend and I saw at the same time. It was a little shadow person. So this story was I was about 16, so I'm 30 now, so you guys do the math. So it was a while ago, and it was in her house. And her house, I don't know if it was, like, her, because she liked to do, like, spirit time at, like, 3 in the morning and call stuff, and I'm pretty sure she messed with the Ouija board. I don't know. But her house was just creepy. Like, you just felt creeped out when you were by yourself. So there was that. But we spent a lot of time there, and everyone has experienced something there. But so this night, it was a weekend because her parents were not there. So she asked me to stay the night, 
And so they were cool with that. So me, her, and her brother stayed downstairs. So, of course, we were all thinking we were cool in high school because we had the house to ourselves, but, you know, not trying to get in trouble at the same time. So we just were hanging out, watching movies, and I think after school, we watched like a couple horror movies. So we creeped ourselves out. So then that night, we were all freaked out, and we had all the lights on upstairs because that's where we were and her brother just stayed downstairs the whole night pretty much so we were freaked out because we were like oh my gosh you know it's dark out being girls whatever so as the night went on like we watched movies that weren't scary because we were trying to not freak ourselves out anymore and for some reason i can't remember why we were in the hallway at the same time so the way like this part set up is There's a hallway, and in the middle of the hallway is the bathroom, and then there's a bedroom and a bedroom. And then the bedroom that we saw this thing, like, if you turn the corner, like, there's a staircase. Like, it's just right, like, they're right next to each other, the bedroom doorway and the staircase. So she's coming out probably of the bathroom, and I'm heading towards that bedroom. And so we're both, like, right by each other, and we stop to look into the bedroom because I think we hear something like move or fall or something. We hear, there's a reason. I just can't specifically remember why. But there's a reason why we stopped. So we both look into the bedroom and out comes this little shadow person. I swear to God, it was like, I don't even know, a foot and a half tall. Like it was not a big thing. Like it was a little person. And he had, like, a little head, a little transparent head, arms, legs, you know, like, just this little humanoid. Like, it was the craziest thing. So we both are just stunned. We're like, oh. And it sees us because it stopped in its tracks. Like, it walked out, stopped, looked at us. We were looking at it, and it bolted up the stairs and disappeared because the, the we didn't have the upstairs light on. We had all these other lights on except that bedroom, but we had the hallway light on, the dining room light, which was right next to us. Like, we had all the other lights on except that bedroom and upstairs, and that thing ran upstairs. And so it disappeared into the shadow, but we were like, oh, like, freaking out. It was ridiculous. I was freaked out. She's like, did you say that? I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, freaked out. After that, we calmed down because we just were, I don't know, just shocked. And there was really nothing we could, I mean, we didn't feel like anything was, I don't know, going to hurt us. So we calmed down and, like, we tried to stay up all night and we were by, I think like four in the morning, we were just exhausted and we were just like, okay, you tired? Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, but I'm sleeping in the bed with you in your parents' room. And she's like, that's fine. We'll just sleep with the hall light on and we'll sleep in the bedroom. And so we had a porch light. They had like a little indoor porch thing and their parents' bedroom was right there by that porch. So you could see that light from the porch into the bedroom. So that light was on. And we left the living room and the dining room light off. We had the bathroom light on. I think the back porch, the hallway. Yeah, their parents were probably not happy with their light bill after that. So it was pretty well lit again. (laughs) And we're going to bed. I'm laying towards the window. Because I figure if anything tries to, you know, get us, they get her first and I can hop out the window and get help. Something like that. So I'm laying towards that way. She's laying, you know, next to me facing the door. And we're drifting, like I'm drifting off. And all of a sudden I feel her like hop out of the bed and she slams the door against the wall and like throws a laundry basket in front of it. And I'm like, oh, what What was that? What was what, what you doing there? And she's like, the door 
was moving. I'm like, what? She goes, the door was closing shut. I stopped it. I seen it. I was like, what? And yeah, she's just like, oh my God. I'm like, okay, quit talking about it. Like, we'll, we'll talk about it when there's sunlight. Like, I don't, it's okay. We'll be all right. And so, <laughs> I don't know, like, my aunts always told me, just don't acknowledge it. Just ignore it. Like, the more you acknowledge it, the more power you give. Like, just let it go. Like, just ignore it. And so, that's the only thing I could come up with. So, we did. And I think we got, like, maybe a couple hours of sleep once the sun came up. But, yeah, that was just a crazy night. And I, her parents came back the next morning or whatever. And they're like, so how was it? We're like, you'll never believe it. <laughs> we were so tired. But yeah, we woke up to tell them. And it was crazy. I think even now, like if I were to probably call her up and ask, she'd be like, I remember. Oh my gosh, that was so weird. So I don't know. Maybe it was the house. Maybe it's just something that follows them because they don't live in that house anymore because we know the people who moved into it, they still experience weird things and she doesn't like her house. Like, she's like, I wonder if they knew that it was like, we all did know it was haunted, but I mean, they were, I don't know. I'm not, okay, maybe I shouldn't say anything. But anyway, so even the owners who have it now, they experience weird things in that house. So I don't know if maybe we should investigate it. I don't know. We never have. Like, I'm kind of scared too. But that's my weird story. We love your show. I made my mom and sister listen to it on our road trip and they love it. Thank you for all the work you do. Hope you have a good day. Bye. Thank you, Samantha. So whoever it is out there working on that long-running Shadow Man taxonomy, there's two new types for your records. And a big thanks to Samantha and Antonio for providing it. Now this next one from Chrissy in Colorado will certainly keep the goosebumps coming. Uh, Hi, I'm Chrissy from Colorado. And I actually have several stories, but I will start with this one. About 10 years ago, the house that I'm currently in, we bought from an elderly couple that had owned it from the beginning. There's like a a master bedroom at the front of the house. There's a small bedroom in the middle. And then my daughter has a bedroom in the very back. Well, when you would be upstairs, you would smell things like cigarette smoke. None of us smoked, and we didn't have any neighbors that smoked. So just found it weird that all of a sudden I would smell the cigarette smoke. And then my daughter would always say that during the night, she would hear all these noises coming from that middle bedroom. Nobody was in the middle bedroom. That's mostly where our dog stayed. And then even I, during the night, would like hear our dog it sounded like somebody playing with the dog and I would get up and he'd just be you know just sitting there kind of looking at me this stuff went on for a long time and the neighbor next door she has been here ever since they built this subdivision as well and I had gotten up one morning and I walked into the kitchen and there was a reflection in the window and it was this person's face and it, it kind of scared me kind of a blonde-haired, spurky-looking kind of guy, probably in his early 20s. So I just happened to see that neighbor outside. And I asked her, I said, hey, you know, can I ask you something kind of strange? So I described some of the things that was happening in the house. And she goes, well, the elderly couple that lived there, they had a son that was killed in a car accident when he was young. And I described, like, the person that I saw in the reflection in the window. And she was like, yeah, that's exactly what he looked like. And his bedroom was that middle bedroom. And I thought, oh, okay, then my daughter and I are not crazy. And she also told me that there was a big evergreen tree in our front yard that they had put there when he died. And so the evergreen tree was getting 
too big for the area that it was in anyway, so we decided to let a person that we know that had property take the tree and relocate it out to his farm. And as soon as that tree was removed, everything stopped and nothing has happened since then. So I will definitely call back with uh, other stories. I'm kind of new to your podcast, so I'm binge listening because I'm actually looking for a certain story that I'm hoping maybe somebody else has called in that I witnessed a long time ago that a lot of other people witnessed. So um, I will call back with that story another time. Thank you. Thank you, Chrissy. I think we just heard a stereotypical American ghost story. I mean, the tragic loss of a son, the residual energy left behind, the spirit playing with a dog. If it wasn't so damn creepy, I would almost call it heartwarming. Regardless, a big thanks to you, Chrissy, for taking the time to share that story. And just like that, we near the end. But before we launch into this last call, a quick reminder that you can pick up Monsters Among Us merchandise at our website at MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com and just click that shop tab. Things are flying off the shelves, so I'm hoping we're still stocked up. And just a quick reminder that we will be releasing that brand new Halloween design real soon, so keep your eye on our social media accounts. Again, that's MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com and click the shop tab. Now, before I play this last call, a brief warning. There is some adult language used in this call. So, you know, parental guidance is suggested and all. Now then, Josh, welcome to the program. This is Josh again. Again, just if anybody forgot, calling uh, from upstate New York. This is where all these events occurred. So these long sequence of paranormal events kind of all culminated... Uh, with me buying a house at auction. Happy as could be, I was 24. Really wanted a house. The house is old, old Dutch colonial. I bought it at auction, like I said, and therefore everything that was in the house was also auctioned. And the stuff that didn't sell, you know, the personal items, desks, chairs, stuff like that, they were just left there. So when I bought the house, I kind of just inherited them. So I went to the auction, get the house, and I go there, and uh, out in the yard is all this stuff that didn't sell, and I see all these photo albums. I open up the photo albums and I'm looking through and they're very bizarre. For one, it was a brother and sister that sold the house that their mom died in. And I found the fact that they didn't want their family heirlooms and photo albums to be quite strange. I mean, there's wedding photos, family vacations, all that. So on top of this, not to malign anybody that's involved in a religion or a church, but they were heavily involved in a church according to the pictures. And it just seemed strange to me. It seemed cult-like. They were in Africa pretty frequently uh, performing different ceremonies and, you know, uh, presumably Christian rituals and stuff to that effect. And I could see all this evidence in the photographs. So I just remember thinking that was strange. My family thought it was even weirder. So this house is in an almost unlivable condition, but I'm living it because I'm a broke social worker and I got a house and I got to fix it up. And mind you, we had looked this house over thoroughly with my uncle that's a home inspector, dad, me top to bottom to see if it was a good investment or not. So when I start working on the house, I'm finding things that, to say the least, are strange that nobody saw before. And I verified it because I called and asked. For example, uh, carved into the paneling in one of the, uh, my, what was it to be my bedroom was suck my bitch tits. Uh, excuse the vulgar language, but uh, this is some, you know, vulgar stuff. And another uh, room I found suck my bitch. Things that are just phrases that shocked me because the only person that lived in this house was the little old lady who had died there then the house sat vacant for 10 years and before it was just a little old lady it was a little old lady and her family before that i'm not sure but i know they had lived there for quite some time the house was built in the 1920s 100 year old house so i find this strange and i verify with people that looked the house over with me i said did you guys see this when we were going over the house no no i would have remembered something like that let's chalk it up till we missed it still strange so my buddy moved in with me. He came my roommate. And one day I get up to go to work and he's still there. He usually left for work before me. I said, Sean, what are you doing here? He says, uh, I had this really weird thing happen last night. And I called him to work because it screwed with me so bad. I go, yeah, what happened? He says, fell asleep on the couch. And I woke up at three in the morning. And between the couch or in the living room and dining room, there was this big archway with two walls on either side. 
He said, I looked in the archway and I saw something that looked like it was peering from the other side of the archway. And I was stuck, obviously telltale signs of sleep paralysis. He says, I kept looking and it was like poking a little bit, poking a little bit, I couldn't see it. And then I saw its hands come on the side of the archway and it peered its head fully around. And it was the devil. It's all he could describe it as. He said it was the devil, it was demonic. It was big, it was tall, its head was almost touching the ceiling. It came out from around the archway and it walked toward the bed and stood over top of me and I was trying to scream but I couldn't even scream. I was stuck. So this happened and it really messed with him. And I, I wouldn't have even mentioned it if it weren't for the other events because I would have chalked it up sleep paralysis, but there's more. So after this event occurs with Sean, uh, things start to get weirder and weirder with me. Uh, I don't feel I was in a good place psychologically. I was having a lot of sleep paralysis. I was having a lot of incidents where I was waking up and I was hearing a baby crying and the sound of waves crashing in conjunction with one another. And where it really started to kind of get worse is I was down cleaning out the basement and the basement just had piles of wood down there. This guy was a carpenter of sorts, uh, do-it-yourself kind of guy, I'm assuming. And that stuff had been sitting down there for 20 some odd years since the husband died and the old lady lived there by herself for 10. So I'm going through this pile and I find this toy gun and it's really cool, just pure Americana. It's a double barrel shotgun made out of wood. It was built with nails. So I knew it was old as dirt. And I go, hmm, that is cool. I said, you know, this must have been some kid's toy. So right at that moment, I hear whack. I turn around, and there was a board that I had leaned up against one of the metal poles in the basement. This board did not fall in on itself. It tipped all the way outward and landed flat on the ground. On the opposing side of the ground, for whatever reason, on that piece of board were the words, Hi, Mister, with three exclamation marks in spray paint. So, sure, that was probably there for years. I'm not saying the ghost busted out a can of spray paint and, uh, you know, sprayed it when my back was turned. But what are the odds that one board that I grab, all the wood I'm going through and setting aside, that's the one board I grab and I put up against the pole. And when I grab the gun, that's obviously a kid's gun. It flips over the opposite way, not in itself, and says, hi, mister, on it. And I just thought that was the weirdest thing. I still have the gun. I keep it with me at all times. I found a girlfriend and things started to kind of calm down. I got a little better psychologically. I was feeling better until things weren't better. And uh, our relationship became kind of tumultuous after a year or so. We're down in the uh, basement one day and it's me, her and Sean. We're talking, both of our dogs are down there. So it's the three of us down in the basement with the dogs. And all of a sudden we hear a ball drop. I mean, distinct. It would be like me saying the word, hey, and someone being like, are you sure you heard hey? I mean, the sound of a ball dropping on the floor is just so recognizable. So we all look at each other, we go, what the heck? The dogs take up off stairs. They heard it, they know what it is. Dogs are up there looking around for a ball. So are we. We don't find it, we don't find anything. We looked forever, we did not find a ball anywhere. It was just one of many things, it was pretty scary. When we get to the point where we're really having issues with our relationship, I wake up in the morning one day and I see Maggie her name and she's walking around the room and a guy's behind her and I presume it is her dad and that she is moving out she's trying to grab a few things before she wakes me she's walking around I watch her and I watch the guy leave the room she comes back maybe five minutes later without the guy just point him up wide awake it's Maggie where's the guy you were with like you're, wasn't your dad here I said no I just went up to use the bathroom said are you you know you're positive and obviously she's positive you know she woke up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom her dad wasn't there i distinctly saw this and i know i saw someone right behind her and when i started to look back at it what was behind her was abnormal kind of lurking and kind of a little too tall kind of lurching over her back really stuck with me and i was getting to the point where i was really ready to sell this house fortunate enough for me uh, selling the house was always part of the plan i do a little real estate on the side and it just kind of heightened the process. Lit a fire under our asses. We were ready to go after that last event. So when you move, as anybody knows, you need some friends. And it's hard to call your friends up and tell them to drive 20 minutes and 30 minutes to help you move a dresser 10 feet. So you want to try to make friends with neighbors. And we had some friends that were neighbors, but they weren't often around during the day. Uh, I'm a teacher, so I get a lot of time off in the summers. And I needed people to help me during the day. There's a guy across the street that seemed available. So. Maggie and I went over there one day to introduce ourselves, and it was him and his girlfriend, real nice guy. They had their whole house torn apart. They were remodeling it, so we got to talk, and I said, you know, 
can you help me move it, you know, now and again? Oh, yeah, sure, no problem. So we start to build a little bit of a relationship. He's coming over, helping me move things, and about a couple weeks go by, and one day I see them sitting out on their porch in the middle of the day. It's him, his kid, and his girlfriend. They're sitting on the porch. I thought it was peculiar. So I walked over there, and I said, uh, hey, what you guys doing out here? Ah, nothing. I said, okay. The girlfriend's not answering. You know, she kind of, like, looks at him. He looks at her. You know, should I tell him? Yeah, go ahead, tell him. They go, okay. We're having a lot of things happen in our house. Things have been moving around. We're hearing voices. So the final straw was when we saw a fan move about three feet and we packed up. We left. We left last night. We stayed in a hotel and now we're back here waiting for a spiritualist to come by and uh, smudge the house. So this seemed to coincide with, you know, about the time Maggie and I went over there. The house was directly across the street. And I know sometimes poltergeist activity is a tendency to jump. So I make up the story what you will. These are only some of my experiences with the paranormal. I just want to tell you the most significant ones. I uh, still wake up in cold sweats, still have night terrors, still have uh, reoccurring dreams where I wake up in sleep paralysis and watch a demon enter my room and walk and enter the body of the female that is sleeping alongside of me. So it has gotten better, but something tells me I'll have uh, more stories for you in the future. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Bye. Thank you, Josh. You know, that's quite a laundry list of activity. But one detail in particular caught my ear. Given the vulgar etchings found on the bed and the message on the scrap wood, I'm almost inclined to suggest a phenomenon known as ghostwriting. Or maybe that's just what I call it. But essentially, it's exactly as it sounds. Ghostly messages received from an unseen and unknown source. Now, there have been a few fleeting examples of the phenomena over the years. The Fox Sisters, the Annabelle Doll, and I believe the Battersea Poltergeist over in England had some ghostwriting as well. But one case, in my mind, stands out above the rest. Now, I first heard this story about 30 years ago on a television program I speak of quite frequently. Fox's and later Sci-Fi Channel's sightings. Now, of course, I'm speaking of the ghostwriter's case. Ghostly messages on Polaroid film. From their hillside home in Los Angeles, John Huckard and John Matkowski called us about their photographs. It all started less than a year ago when both men began to sense a strange presence. In an effort to document the shadowy presence, the two men started taking pictures, unsure if anything so intangible could be captured on film. I took the picture of the bathroom door over by the bathroom and got this really strange looking thing that was either scary or comical. The first images they captured had distinct eyes, mouth and body. But then the pictures took an unexpected turn and the results shocked everyone. They started receiving answers to specific questions. We asked him what his name was, just assuming that it's a presence. And we asked him his name, and he answered, on the Polaroid. <laughs> he told us his name was Wright. And we were like, uh-huh, we still didn't believe it. So we just continued asking questions to the middle of the air in the living room, just to nothing. And we'd ask him if he was a good ghost or bad ghost, you know, just really name questions to begin with. And uh, he answered, friend. Now, believe it or not, it gets creepier. The ghostwriter eventually began replying in Latin. The company Polaroid did their own investigations and found no proof of tampering. Hundreds of photos with messages were produced. Sightings even went as far as to film the entire sequence of opening a fresh Polaroid film pack, loading it into the camera, asking the question to the spirit, then ejecting the developed image. No fraud was detected. Although... If you watch the actual video, which I have linked to, they don't do a very good job of keeping that camera in frame. And that makes me a bit skeptical. But like I said, I found the entire segment on YouTube and I linked to it over in tonight's show notes. And later in the clip, they bring in legendary psychic Peter James. White hair, black mustache, and eyebrows. If you followed the paranormal in the 80s or 90s, you know who he was. Anyway, go watch the video. I swear it's worth your time. 
And speaking of time, so much has passed since that case blew up in the sightings television show back in the early 90s. So I wondered what had become of the two Johns and their invisible pen pal. So I did some digging. And it turns out the two Johns were on one of my local TV stations lately, spreading the word about an exhibit of the photos that they had set up in Eagle Rock, California. An exhibit I'm extremely distraught to learn that I missed. Behind this gate in Mount Washington and up this rather spooky private sidewalk lies a house that's more than 100 years old and something unexplained. But before we go inside, let me first take you to Eagle Rock. At the end of this hallway, a gallery, and on the walls, a collection of Polaroids. We have thousands of these. Really? Yeah, there's thousands. John Matkowski and John Huckert live in that house, and these are their photos. They always suspected something strange about the house, and then, in 1992, they started taking pictures with their Polaroid camera. Unexplained glowing blotches would appear on the photos. They tried new film, even different cameras. It kept happening. Through the years, they say there were thousands of these communications in English, Old English, even Latin. Phrases like, anything is possible, and listen, and you will hear. This one here, um, we we asked the the entity, um, if we were going to write a story about this, what should we call it? And he told me, uh, he told us, ghostwriter. I don't care if anybody believes it or not. Do you believe in ghosts? I've always believed in ghosts. If it's a ghost or just a um, guardian spirit, I don't know. Now that clip courtesy of KABC, ABC News 7, out of Los Angeles. And it's good to hear that the Johns and presumably the ghostwriter are still in the home. But I'm still super bummed that I missed that exhibit. I would have loved to have laid eyes on just one of those messages. But hey, I'll keep my ears open. And if it pops up elsewhere, I'll be sure to let everyone know. Now, like I've said, I've linked to both of these videos in the show notes. And I absolutely love this case. And if you take the time to watch each of the videos, I bet you will as well. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Eddie Lloyd. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. Follow us on social media. We have accounts at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Hop on over to YouTube while you're at it. And finally, the score you heard this evening was provided by Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse. Co.ag Music, Carl Casey, and White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for listening. Keep it spooky out there. And until next time. Now, tonight's bonus entry comes to us from a familiar voice. You might remember our anonymous caller's story about a toad-like creature he stabbed to death with a bone-handled knife in his parents' house. That one from Season 13, Episode 18. Well, he's back tonight with more information on what might have led to that manifestation. Please welcome our anonymous caller from my birthplace of Ohio. Hey, Derek. It's Anonymous from Ohio. I'm the gentleman that called in regarding that strange shadow toad that was in my hallway when I was a kid. And I told you I was going to let you know a little bit more about like why I think we have paranormal things happening to us in our family. I'm just going to kind of concentrate today on something that happened to me as I was an older person in life. Everything had happened in East Liverpool, Ohio, but I had moved out into the state of Delaware and I was living at, uh, at a funeral home, just outside of a funeral home, actually, in, in Dover. And, you know, 
our dog, he would not get out in the basement. If you tried to get him to get out in the basement, uh, he would bark and flip out and freak out as soon as you opened that door. And that was our first indication that there might be something actually wrong with the house. And as we moved in, it, it, it was pretty quick. It didn't take time at all. My wife would see uh, shadow people. I, I never saw the shadow people at all, but she did. <clears throat> so she would see them constantly. When we lived there, we had two boys and a daughter. My daughter was getting regu- ready to graduate high school. Our two boys, they were younger. The one was eight years old, and he never slept. I mean, you would put him to bed at 8 o'clock. You would read to him until 10, and then he would get up at about 11 o'clock and come into the bedroom and crawl, crawl into bed with you. In fact, it was so frequent that he would try to come in. He, he would open the door, walk in, and go up to my wife's side of the bed, try to get in. And if he couldn't do it because she was on that side, and he didn't want to wake us up because we told him to go back to bed, he would walk around the bottom of the bed and come up on my side of the bed. And I usually had space somewhere around my feet that he would crawl up and crawl into bed with us. So I noticed a few times that he would come in. I would hear the door open, uh, then the footsteps would go to my wife's side, then it would edge around to my side of the bed, but he would not get into bed. He would just stand there, or at least that's what I suspected because I didn't know from my eyes up. I was mostly half asleep, but I would just say, hey, go back to bed. You know, I'd say his name, say, go back to bed. You don't need to come in here, but he wouldn't move. And, and I had known by the way the footsteps had come that he'd come up right at the foot of the bed nothing there was no one there if i did open my eyes and look and he would always if i went and checked on him be fast asleep i mean it wouldn't be like he was hiding in bed and my kids are autistic so it's not as if he could fake it so that started off with me the things that were happening around the house i'll never forget one time my wife and i were in the kitchen and the basement door was right in the kitchen and we heard this huge crash in the basement as if a whole shelf of glass had fallen over. Um, just this massive explosion of breaking glass. And I opened the door immediately and went down the steps and there was nothing on the floor. I mean, the basement was spotless. And it, you know, I checked everything down there. There was nothing awry, nothing amiss. And it was just very strange, but we both heard it. And we both said it sounded like glass breaking after we checked. You know, my wife came down and she said, there's no glass down here, what fell over? And I'm like, nothing, there's nothing here. So the nighttime stuff in the bedroom started getting really strange because I, I lay on my side and sleep and I face in toward the bed. So, you know, I don't face away and outward. I face inward. And I would feel somebody stroking my leg from the, the top of my thigh all the way down to my ankle and then start over again. And my wife would be standing right, I mean, I'd be standing, but she'd be sleeping right beside me. And I knew it wasn't her. And if I looked, it would stop. But there would be nobody there, like not one of my kids, I mean, nobody. And I just was baffled at that. And I, I thought at first I was imagining things because it was very subtle at first, very, very subtle. You would just almost barely feel you know, the touch. But after a while, it was unmistakable. And it would actually pull the blanket down off of my leg and then touch my skin. And it was very, very disturbing. And, and I told my wife, I said, I'm going to wake you up one day. I'm going to touch you. And I want you to look to see what's there because I'm not going to do it. Because if I do it, there's nothing there. And she was like, I will not look. And I remembered like about two days later it was happening. And I poked her and she was like, I am not looking for the love of God. I am not looking. I don't want to see what's there. And so that was like this continuing thing as long as we lived there. That happened every two or three nights. Sometimes it would happen every night for a week. And then sometimes it would go a week without it. But usually it was about two or three times a week that it occurred on a frequent basis. And so we were getting ready to move back to Ohio and we were packing things up and I, I worked at the, at the funeral home and I can remember I, we were outside parking cars one day and I was talking to a, a general gentleman whose name was Byron, but he went by a different name. And I was telling him all the weird stuff that was happening in the house. There was just so much I can't even get into it without taking up a half an hour of your show. And he kind of looked at me and he goes, you're living over there. And I'm like, yeah, you didn't know that. He goes, I had no idea that you were living there. I thought you were a, two blocks down. I was like, no, we live right there. And he goes, boy, I tell you, my wife used to work there and that is a creepy house. And I said, what do you mean? And here the house was owned by a church, which was right across the street from where the house sat. So it was the church, the house, and then the funeral home. And he said, well, the, the pastor of that church literally performed an exorcism in that house 
because things were so crazy and so strange. And he said, and there's this one room right at the top of the stairs. You go up the steps and off to the left. And he said, and my wife, who was involved in this with the pastor, won't talk about what happened there. She just said it was the most horrifying things that occurred. And that, of course, was where my bedroom was. I don't know what they did, but whatever it was, it didn't work because we moved in right after all that happened, apparently. I had no idea. And we still had issues. And like I said, my wife will never say to me what she would see. She just said she would see shadow people. She said one time one was standing in the shower, half of its body was showing, and and that was it. So she would never kind of explain what was going on. So as we were moving, things started to escalate. And I'll never forget, I was on the couch one night and I was packing boxes. I was packing up things. And we had a, a dog and a cat. And the dog and the cat both stopped. Like they were in the middle of the room and they were just walking around doing whatever they do. And they both stopped and looked at this one spot. And I looked where they were looking. And I'm like, what are they trying to see? Because it was like very clearly they noticed something was there. And as I watched, like this small white glowing light just kind of grew out of nothing. It just grew up like it was like a small flicker at first and then it became like white bald it was just floating there above the floor maybe a, a half an inch or an inch and then it shot across the room into the den and the cat and the dog their heads followed it at the same time that mine did and so i know they saw exactly what i saw and i don't know if they saw me exactly because they may have seen something more clearly because they probably got better senses i don't know but i know they saw that ball of light the same way i saw that ball of light a few days later, I'd come home very late from work, and I was in the den, and I was sitting in a comfortable chair, and I was reading a book. And as I was reading the book, I, I have massive amounts of books. I have bookshelves everywhere. And on my bookshelves, I have knickknacks. And my grandmother, when I was a kid, had gone to Arizona, and she had brought me back one of those old cow skulls, uh, a magnet, you know, that you would put in your refrigerator, because I liked those. Like You'd always see like the tumbleweed and the cow skull sitting there in the desert. So she had brought me back one of those magnets. And I kept that in remembrance of her, and it was always right by my chair where I sat to read. And I can remember I, I felt somebody behind me, and I looked around, and there was nobody there. And then I looked, and the cow stall, which was kind of turned off facing the road, so it was like facing straight ahead, basically, from where I was sitting, off to my, my left, the head just spun around really fast and pointed right at me. And I was like, well, that's enough for me. I'm going to bed now. So that's what I did. I put my book down and I just went upstairs to bed, make sure the doors were locked, that sort of thing. And that was it. So that was a house that we lived in. It cannot compare to the house that I lived in when I was a baby, that my mother and my aunt had horrible experiences in as I was a small child. And I'll explain those later on. But I'll tell you about like my childhood home and, and things like that. Cause we had a couple of different things that happened to us. It's always followed us no matter where we've gone. You know, my brothers are the same way. And my mother passed away this year, so I'm, I'm kind of expecting to see her at some point in the future because both my mother and my aunt both saw my grandmother after she had passed away. So it's not something that's strange or rare in our family for that to happen. My aunt has had more encounters than you would imagine um, with, with spirits from the other side. Um, heck, she got woke up one night being shaken by who she believed to be her father-in-law who had passed away uh, two years before, screaming at the, the room was on fire. And... Sure enough, the room was on fire, and that's how she survived. She got out of the room with my uncle. So for her, it's not all that strange. We're just waiting for things to, to kind of happen with my mom. But anyway, that's it for right now. I just want to say I, I really enjoy your show, and I always look forward to hearing what you, you know, what your explanations are. I like how you don't judge people. Uh, I think that's one of the best things about this show is there's no judgment, and I just appreciate everything that you do. I'll get back to you soon. Thank you, caller. You know, if I didn't know any better, I'd say that you are the common denominator here. Maybe these places you find yourself in aren't haunted or plagued with mysterious events. Perhaps more simply, you are. Or, from the sounds of things, maybe your entire family. Now, for your sake, I certainly hope not. But if you continue to move and continue to experience activity a question you certainly need to ask yourself. Now, big thank you again, caller, for taking the time to share that entry. And I'm happy to hear you didn't have to slay a monster in this one. Okay, folks, you know what time it is. It's time to go beyond. 
But don't fret, you can easily join us by jumping on over to patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast. And once you've joined that $5 level, you get instant access to not only this upcoming bonus content, but close to 50 additional hours. If five bucks is a little too steep, you can get ad free content for only $1 at the exact same place. Patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast. Now, tonight, I have something a little different planned. You see, by the time this episode airs, I will be in the state of Ohio, visiting friends and family for the first time in a long time. So in the interest of...